Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Design of Experience. Apparently, it is by design. 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 Experience. Experience. It's all good experience. Conversations about the ideas that make us feel a tribal devotion to the things we love. Okay, so we spent a lot of time talking about strategy, methodology, and thinking that goes into designing experiences on this podcast. And we've done it for brands and places we encounter every day. But today, we're going to pivot a little bit and dive into what happens after all that strategy is talked about, mulled over, and created. Because after all, even though I am usually very involved in the strategy session, I have a heart for creatives. And when it's time for that vision to come to life, it is the designers and the filmmakers and the copywriters who get to exercise their craft and create those super tangible, sensory, visceral experiences that we can't live without. So today... We are going to jump into conversation with Sam Otto, our creative director of live action, to get some perspective and learn from his experience in film. Cue the movie trailer. In a world where filmmaking has all but ceased to exist during the current climate. Sam Otto is still crafting compelling videos for corporations and companies all over the world. Welcome, Sam. Yeah, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Sam leads the team that actually edits and engineers this podcast, and Sam has edited several on his own with his own two hands and two ears. Yeah, it's super weird to be on this side. Uh, I'm usually behind the camera, behind the screen. I like the control I have over the edit, all the powers in my hands, but now I'm at the whim of Josh, so we'll see how this goes. The whim of Josh and the whip of Emily. Beware if you try to get off topic. She will whip you back into shape. <laughs> That's what you guys pay me for, right? To be organized and whip people into shape. We can watch Sam's facial expression as we over-talk, over-share, go off-topic, and make the editor's job more difficult. We can actually watch him grimace. Well, Sam, before we jump into any kind of shop talk, we're going to take a cue from Psych, one of my personal favorite shows of all time. In classic Psych fashion, we're going to set the stage with a young Sam Otto. And I want to ask you, before we get into anything else... What were you up to in the 90s? Act 1. The Ordinary World. Well, that's a really good question, Emily. I mean, obviously, that's a better part of a decade right there. And I feel like if you were to just jump in on the setup of like young Sam, you were to take your finger and just put it down on a calendar, I was probably playing Pokemon on Game Boy or Nintendo 64. I was the youngest of three brothers, so we would watch Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Godzilla, a lot of the old school Godzilla movies. Try and keep the Tamagotchi alive. <laughs> um, Sam, so, you know, those of us who say are music lovers as adults or film lovers as adults, to say nothing of someone who actually pursued an industry career in the creative discipline of film, 
I'm a musician on the side, so I like to think of the music that made me fall in love with music, and that, that kind of ends up being sort of go-to for me. When you think about the films or the content that caused you to fall in love with content, what are give us a snapshot on just sort of that progression in your life? And are there still films that you would go back to and love, or you know, have you kind of has your have your tastes continued to evolve? And give us a qu- quick little look at some of that. Probably my two favorite directors would be Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese. I love with like Spielberg, how he just had these like huge kind of adventure style, like larger than life films. And those really captivated me from a young age. You know, I really love the Indiana Jones series. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Asps. Very dangerous. You go first. My dad has kind of some influence on me here, especially for Scorsese as well, but... I'm like a big like World War One, World War Two guy. I just loved how like he kind of combined like that that action adventure style of like a World War Two story with the kind of you know mystique and rich culture of, of these kind of different adventure style films. So really love Spielberg for that. I really love Scorsese again. I feel like because of my dad. Um, I just love like it sounds kind of terrible to say, but I love like mafia stories. Like, probably my favorite movie now is The Godfather, but. Goodfellas is like one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> really funny. Really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mean the way I talk? What? You know, the way you tell the story and everything. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh. I'm not just. You know how you tell the story? What? I just love how he really kind of takes this personal view of these stories. You know, they, they are still larger in life, but you really just focus in on these characters. You have this like narration style that kind of combines this like soliloquy and like inner monologue. And you're like really tracking with how these characters are like literally thinking. I just always love that style of, of storytelling. You named two classics, Spielberg, epic storyteller, heroic kinds of stories. And then you, you know, I'm imagining when you wanted to get depressed, you would watch Scorsese to counter that. It's kind of like, you know, uppers and downers as far as the directors go. He's sort of the anti-hero guy. Stories rarely turn out the way you want them to. There are no, like, clear good guys and bad guys. It's everybody's mixed up and, and um, complex. So I, I that's a, a strong appeal. Anybody that sort of the average viewer might not be immediately familiar with who is an influencer of you you know i love short form content that's kind of reflective of the content that we tend to create for clients of 15.4 i love short stories uh for my own personal projects i like creating short form stuff and and because of that i tend to love music videos a lot and i love a director uh called hero mirai he kind of came up uh through shooting music videos specifically for like childish gambino so he was the one who directed this is america Uh, he now directs Atlanta. He did a bunch of stuff like Flying Lotus and St. Vincent. So I, I just love his style and his way of communicating like short form stories. They feel very poetic and, and abstract. And that's, that's somewhat reflective of you know the music he tends to create for. But I would say he's a definitely a huge influence on me. Act two, crossing the threshold. 
So you said, of course, growing up, especially with your dad's influence, that some Spielberg and Scorsese films were really impactful for you early on. If someone were to ask you, you know, high school, maybe early college, like Sam, what do you want to be when you grow up? Was there like, was there a dose of like art or film or were you on a completely different track? Like kind of give us a picture into that. Yeah. So, you know, the three cents version there. I was always a pretty artistic kid and my family was just always a little artistic as well. That was mostly within the context of like drawing and painting. Um, those who have worked with me at 154 know that I'm just a compulsive doodler. I've been for my entire life. So anytime I want to think, if you put a piece of paper and pencil next to me, I'll just draw shapes and characters and all that type of stuff. And really, most people think I'm not listening at all, but I'm listening intently, but it's just my way to like register information. So I've always been a pretty artistic person, um, but you know, for most of my life, weirdly, I just wanted to be a, a zoologist or, or a veterinarian. No way. What? Yeah, well, I love animals, and uh, that was my like dream job. And I feel like along the way, I just got discouraged in biology. I probably had a really shitty biology teacher a few times throughout middle school and high school and soured the whole thing for me, but... I never actually saw film or video as a viable career until really late in college. You know, I have a good friend, Zach Moser. He went to LA film school and we were both entering college at the same time. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to Los Angeles, going to film school. I'm like, there's no career there. I'm, I'm going to do a business degree because I don't know what I want to do, but certainly you can't make a, a living off of film. You know, I was always a little into photography, but again, that was more of an early college thing. I never really actually experimented with video until late sophomore, early junior year of college. I just think it's so neat. Like when people have natural talent, natural interest, it finds a way to come through. And I just think that's so encouraging because it means that there isn't one standard path to take. And you obviously do fantastic work for us. And I love to hear that for you, you, you just didn't quite figure it out till later than some people would say, like your friend, like I'm going to, I'm going to school for film. So tell us like what in college, you know, what, what kind of went down? How did you get it? Well, how did you say mm, maybe film is something I can, I can work with? Well, for the longest time I was getting my business degree and I was actually also getting my MBA at the same time. So it was like a few years of doing that and doing like statistics courses and like accounting and all that. And I remember my advisor like asking me, like, you're going for your MBA. What do you plan on doing after you graduate with it? I was like, I have no idea. And then it just made me think that I couldn't really envision myself working in a profession that didn't really involve visual creativity. I did a few other things. I was trying to do music industry for a while because I'm, I'm a musician as well. Um, but I just thought mass communications uh, would be this great kind of amalgamation of both business and kind of artistic vision kind of combined into one. I've always had an eye for composition and color and all that. But I remember getting into video for the first time. It was just like the hardest mental leap for me to figure out. Like a photo is pretty standard, right? You, know, you take a photo, you try to compose it well, it's a single frame. But how do you string together like 24 frames in a second? How do you move the camera from point A to point B? and do that multiple times to create this holistic video. And for some reason, like that mental leap of going from one static frame to a moving image, point A to point B, was just a really difficult thing for me to process at the time. But now it's just kind of how I think. Okay, I have to interrupt here. Besides this being a major nerd alert, a little bit of a sidebar, uh, our listeners should understand that Sam's generation represents one of the major shifts in the industry that I've been able to observe during my time in the business, and that is the entrance of young talent into the market, creating a lot of competition 
for larger agencies and production outfits. We did that to some of the big agencies when we started back in 2004, but it's been happening ever since and sometimes to us. Fortunately, Sam is a huge talent. We scooped up right out of college. Um, so back, getting back on track, Sam, when you think about story structure in video, a lot of that gets rewritten during the edit. You're a great style editor. Editing is not for everybody. Um, is that a tedious process for you? Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. The thing I love about editing, and this is kind of a, a tenant of uh, an editor, his, his name is Walter Murch. Um, he always edits off of emotion first. So he has this hierarchy, emotions at the very top. So even if the shot's out of focus or maybe the line is botched, if it just feels emotively correct in the scene, then he goes with that above all else. And that's why I kind of love editing as well, because it really is this kind of technical art form that mixes software knowledge with just this emotional intuitiveness that you, know, you kind of combine all these elements. And every project that I do is this labor of love, right? You just, you're, no matter what it is, no matter how dry or how complex and nuanced, interesting it is, it's like this emotional investment in what you do. So I think that that's the one thing, right? It's like, you know, you put hard work into any project, no matter how big or how small. When projects get to you, Sam, like we said, like we've laid a lot of the groundwork for strategy. Casey's team over in, you know, graphic design, they've kind of created a brand identity for you to work with. When you get that assignment to create some kind of visual story for the client, what do you do before you even turn the camera on? Like, can you give us a kind of an eye into your method of visualizing a story before you even start the camera, before you start any kind of editing? You know, even specifically around campaigns, right? A lot of that groundwork is already just formulated before I even get brought into a specific project sometimes. So you do have the strategy, you have graphic design assets. In some ways, you already have like the overarching narrative, manifesto, tone of voice. And I think, uh, you know, as far as visualizing a story before turning the camera on, uh, if there's visuals or manifesto, I, you know, I tend to read and look at those and, and try to figure out ways that I can transform that visually. Uh, so the, the selection of photography that Casey chooses and the, the graphic design assets and just the, the generalized theme and tone of, you know, manifesto that we create, it's, you know, a lot of that is just really good groundwork for establishing, all right, so what do we want our perspective to be? Is this more of a serious piece? Is it a little bit more lighthearted, comedic? Who are we talking about? Who do we want to talk to? And then, you know, I tend to look for inspiration, whether that's photography or music or other videos or movies that I've seen. I'm just kind of building a vision piece by piece. You have said a few times that your job, at least inside the agency, is definitely not a one-man show. And like you said, it changes as you go on because the original vision is often, um, can be somewhat reflected in the final product, but it's not always, sometimes it changes. Can you just talk to me a bit about, you know, whether it's producers or actors or anyone else who's helping on there. What is it like with all the moving pieces and who are some of the people you just love to work with and make the projects great at the end? One of the things I love most about my job is just the collaboration. And, and when you make a video, that process goes through so many different minds, so many different hands, and that really adds a lot of value. I always hire people that are obviously better than me at what they do, uh, and I value their opinions and I offer the opportunity to get that kind of fluid feedback that maybe would influence my vision, right? I think that's the same for any like, you know, I'm by no means a great director. 
But if you have like a Spielberg or Scorsese, they hire the people they hire and they listen to them and becomes this like transformative process where you have your initial vision and sure you want to maintain that from beginning to end. But through the, the knowledge and the creativity of the people you hire, that kind of transforms along the way. So, you know, if, we're, if I'm hiring a director of photography, you know, specifically, I want to call out Dan Martinez here. This is his portfolio at danielmartinez.tv. He's an excellent uh, director of photography, and I love working with him because I might be like, well, I think I might want this shot. And you're like, well, Sam, how about this shot? I think it's a better composition. I feel like it communicates this language. And I'd be like, you know, you're right. I really like that. Or a gaffer might be like, well, you know, we know we wanted to go with this certain aesthetic, but if I organize the lights in this fashion, we can get this really cool effect, and I think it will look better. And same thing with, with editors as well. You know, a lot of times I tend to put the ball in the court of the editor. So I'll give them a really top level vision. I'll say this is kind of the, the tone and the emotion I want to convey. Here's the script. Here's maybe some style frames or some visual elements. Take that and make it yours and give me something to react to. And so that's the way I like to work. And that's the way I like to collaborate. And that's kind of across all different functions, right? When you think about, you know, a book like Save the Cat, which is the screenwriter's book, or something called the hero's journey, which we tend to use when we think about story, you know, stasis and then conflict and then the introduction of a guide or a hero. And we've talked about that stuff in this podcast. Do you take the same story formula and compress it into very short form content that we're doing for clients? Or do you have a different formula that you use when you try to think about the point you're trying to get across? I think the goal... This would never truly be formulaic, right? Um, but at the same point in time, you know, every great story really has an element of adversity to it. There's a beginning, middle, and end. So you kind of have that basic structure. And yeah, I do think it is a matter of kind of distilling all those beats that you'd see in, in any other long-form piece of content, whether that's a documentary or, or other movie, uh, into something that's incredibly short, minute and a half, two minutes, three minutes. Every video that we create tends to have a really clear kind of structure to it because I think there's nothing worse than having this kind of, I don't know, homogenous storyline just cut straight through like a line, right? And that's that's goes a long way in building the emotional appeal, which I think is, is a huge thing really for B2B marketing as well because you have all these like really technical products and services. A lot of times your clients want to add in a lot of jargon, a lot of tech speak. You know, what makes a really intriguing product is is introducing that emotional appeal and, and grounding something uh, in, in emotion rather than uh, logic and technicalities. That approach really mirrors and fits well with how we approach all of the creative services that we do. That's kind of part of our heartbeat because even when we start the process with clients, th- figuring out strategy or messaging or tone, we put all the facts and figures aside and ask, why do you do this? Why are you in business? What is the current moment that you are in? And we ask all of those types of questions to lead because we want to appeal to emotion, not for the sake of that, hey, we will sell to you with emotion, but because that's something that truly resonates on a human level. So I think one of the reasons that your craft fits so well into the whole creative process that we do and that we really believe in is because it is starting with something like, how does this make you feel? Can you picture this in your life? Does this align with what you believe and why you're in the business that you are in? So that's just awesome how that aligns and fits really well, makes sense. Act three, the road back. If you were to describe yourself when you first got started, 
versus like where you are now and where you'd like to go, just as far as your creative voice goes and your skill set and how you're developing your craft. Um, if you look back at yourself, what are some of the things where you're like, this is how I got started and it's what all beginners go through, but how have you grown now and where do you hope to see yourself soon? When I started 15.4, you know, I was really green. I just graduated college. It's really my first full-time job. Since then, I've grown so much and I just want to continue telling the stories that I want to tell. I want to produce bigger and bigger things. Part of that's larger budgets, but also just bolder stories, right? For right now, I'm really kind of content within the commercial space, creating short form content. And that's kind of the same for music videos, micro documentaries, short films. Uh, I'm really happy in that space. But I think I'd like to break into more of a, a feature component a little bit later on. There's so many creative people out there with really great ideas as well. I'd love to lean into that and kind of continue the community building and just be a part of, of something large that I'm proud of. If there's any point in time where I'm, I'm not convinced that I'm, I'm happy with work that I'm creating or I'm not proud to show it to someone else, then that might be a time for me to change industries or, or professions or move on to something else. Maybe go back to that MBA. Maybe not. Maybe go back to the <laughs> MBA. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Sam, thanks so much for um, joining us today. I really want our listeners to get to see some of the work that you've done. So in the show notes, we will link some of your projects. You do have such like a humble personality about you and you're such like an internal thinker and it's so cool to see what comes out of that. And I think Sam would want you to know that it's a team effort. It's not just his work. And that'd be great. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you. The Design of Experience is produced by 15.4, a creative agency located in Charm City, Baltimore. Produced by Emily Wolf, edited and engineered by Sam Otto and Josh Frisch with story and creative development by Matt DeVille and Steve Smallman.